Welcome to the sermon podcast from Church at the Well in Towson, Maryland. To learn more about Church at the Well, visit our website, thewellbaltimore.com. And now, here's today's sermon from our pastor, Dane Carraway. Uh, Easter is the uh, celebration of the fulfillment of a promise. Um, All of the Old Testament and much of the New Testament points to what we celebrate for today. And it's so appropriate that we sing, Great is Your Faithfulness. There's no reason to celebrate. There's no reason to, um, this day is different than any other day if it's not for your faithfulness. So God, may the um, next 20, 25 minutes or so, um, may, may we just uh, be able to reflect on that, may we be able to hear about that, even as we look to your word. May that be the song of our hearts. May that be um, even what we, we leave here with, singing great is your faithfulness, even in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Happy Easter, everybody. It's good to see you. I'm happy to see you. I'm, I'm so glad to see all, uh, all my family and friends here. It, it is a privilege to share uh, Easter Sunday with you. Um, if you're visiting with us, thank you so much for, uh, for coming. I, I know it's not easy on any day coming to a new church, but you came on an Easter Sunday, and I hope uh, that you enjoy your time with us. Um, I wasn't sure I was going to do this, but I think it's just appropriate. Uh, not only in our family, not only is this Easter Sunday, but it's also somebody's ninth birthday. Uh, my son Cole just turned nine today. So it's, in, it's impressive. So if you see him, um, tell him happy birthday. He also um, is a big fan of Jordans in a size 13. You know, so if anybody wants to bless him with that, you know, that's, that's his favorite. You know, this is his absolute favorite. He also, he also doesn't have a PS5. So just... just you know, it's for me, son. It's for me. You know, just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, so to that point, we have the kids with us this morning. If you're visiting with us, um, normally the kids have their own uh, space. We call it Splash Zone. It's going to, uh, that, that, uh, that glass area that you walked by, that is usually kid areas, uh, well kids. Um, we want, uh, we usually have them hanging out there with uh, my wife and some of the other folks here. They have a, a great Sunday mornings together. But on this first year, I just picked a couple Sundays, a few Sundays. It's not going to be too many more. But we just decided that we want to share these first ones together. So our launch Sunday, we did it together. And then Easter, we did it together. We may do one or two more uh, throughout the year because we wanted to make sure that our kids don't miss these moments. My, my, my goal is that uh, we have several kids that grow up in our, that, that I hope will stay and will grow up in our church. And I want them to feel like they're part of the church too, because they are. They're not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of the day. The same Holy Spirit that resides in you and I resides in them. So I don't want them to miss anything. And to that point, I know that sometimes uh, what I'm doing is not the most interesting thing uh, for kids. So they have a bag full of uh, games and fun things that they can dive into and um, I hope that you, uh, I hope that you take. And if there's any left over, honor there's still some out there. If you have a young person that you're going to see this afternoon or uh, this evening for a, a Easter supper, and you want to take them, take them one. They're more than happy to have that. I think there's Legos in there. I think there's a stuff to color. Oh, there's a puzzle. Thank you, Kayla. So uh, please enjoy that on us. We want to celebrate your kids as well. Um, so here's what I want to do. It's Easter, so we're going to talk about the resurrection, but I also want to talk about you. Um, because uh, um, despite of how we may think, despite of what, however we may approach this day, yes, this day is about Jesus. 
And that's who we celebrate today. But I want you to understand that this day doesn't happen unless Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the Son of God, had an intention to do something for you. So yes, we celebrate Jesus today, but make no sakes about it. This holiday is just as much about you as it is about him. It makes all the difference for you. It makes all uh, um, the, it makes uh, your eternal difference. So uh, we've been going through, since we've launched, we've been going through the book of John. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, and we've been looking at uh, how this book points to Jesus as the one and only Messiah. That's what we call this series, the one and only, because Jesus is the only one who sets apart from everybody else. In every other world religion, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but the same week that we're celebrating Easter week is the same time that, that Passover is happening. In fact, it is intentional that Jesus would be the ultimate Passover lamb. It's being celebrated right now. Um, it's the same time that Ramadan is happening. So, and, and then there's tons of other uh, world religions that revolve and have different things that uh, kind of go, not necessarily this week, but right around this time of year. And what's different, what sets Jesus apart from every other world religion is that you had the deity make a sacrifice on the sake of the people. That's what Jesus did for the sake of you and I. And that's what we're celebrating today. That's what we are, uh, I'm pointing to today. And um, what I want us to kind of land, uh, one of my styles of preaching, one of the things that I like to do is I like to show my cards early. I would have been a horrible spades player, right? I, like, you know, uh, uh, I come from a family that uh, spades games would happen very late on Friday nights. Am I right, y'all? Like, like very late Friday night, you go by the house and people there, probably some people have notoriety or cards there. And... Um, you don't, you don't show your, I don't know a lot about space, but you don't show your cards early. You don't tell your hand earlier than you need to. I would have been horrible at that because the way that I want to approach the message this morning is I'm going to tell you how I'm going to end it uh, right from the beginning. So if you need to get up and go, you, you got it early. Um, we're going to respond to the message this morning and all that life throws at us by responding to the death and resurrection of Jesus by believing in him. Boom, that's it. And I don't mean like, believing in him, um, like we may believe in some other things. I believe that the Ravens are going to win the championship this year. It's a weird thing to believe in. Y'all can't even sign your quarterback. Like, I, I, I believe in that, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to take this vacation at the end of uh, when summer hits. There's some colleges here. I believe I'm going to pass this class. This is different because what, we're, what I'm asking you to believe in and put your trust and your faith in is life-changing. And it was always geared towards not just the, the way the universe was set up from the very beginning of time, from, from the first mistake that man made, this plan was made so that you would make a decision to believe in him. If I had the time, I could walk you from Genesis all the way to 2023 and show you and kind of guide you into understanding and knowing that the reason why we celebrate this day is so that Christ will make a difference in your life. You could do it. I think that, um, that when we think about Easter, a lot of times we just kind of attach it to a holiday. Christmas, the day that Jesus was born. Easter, the day that Jesus, well, actually not even Easter, Good Friday, the day that Jesus died. Easter, the day that Jesus rose from the dead. But what I want us to do this Easter is, is, is not just react to it or just like, well, Easter's the day that we have a, a nice family meal. It's already cooking. I, I want us to respond from it. And if we don't respond by believing in it and having action go behind that belief, then it's just another holiday. 
then it's just another holiday. Um, here's what I want us to do. Um, if you were here last week, I talked about the idea of, uh, of, of reactions versus responses. Anybody remember that? I talked about the idea about that. Let me re- remind you what I said if you weren't here. I said, a reaction may result in a positive or negative outcome, whereas a response is engineered to produce a positive or negative outcome. It's intentional. Reacting is emotional. Responding is emotional intelligence. It's not just about how I feel, but it's based on how I feel I'm going to do something. I don't know if anyone ever feels like this, but sometimes I feel like life is, life is happening around me. That, that I'm just like, a, a, you know, the um, subject to the, the set of circumstances. What I want to suggest on this Easter morning is that maybe we should consider the best way that we respond to all that life throws at us is by responding to the cross with belief. If you got your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 20. It's going to be on the screens as well. Um, and and this, is, this is no sneaky verses. I'm going to take you to the resurrection. Like, like Jesus has died. He's been buried. And we're going to pick up the next sentence that John tells us, the apostle John tells us after the resurrection. Okay? Starting in verse 1. It reads like this. Now, on the the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together. The other disciple outran Peter and uh, reached the tomb first. Can I just pause for a second? John is quickly becoming one of my favorite authors because he inserts so much of his personality in what's happening. One, he always reminds us that he's the disciple who Jesus what? Loved. He's like, I, I don't know if y'all know this, but Je- Jesus loved me. And then on top of that, he had to let everybody know that he could run faster than Peter. He said, me and Peter were both running to the tomb. I got there first. Let's keep reading. Um, And stopping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead then the disciples went back to their homes. So um, while, while John hesitated when he first arrived at the tomb, Peter didn't. Now, here's a huge part that you can't miss. Uh, do you, if you were here a few weeks ago, we talked about the story of Lazarus, right? And we talked about how Jesus, uh, you know, like this was somebody who Jesus loved. This was Mary and Martha's brother. And, and uh, when he got the news that Lazarus was sick or Lazarus had died, Jesus said, this sickness is not going to lead to death. And, you know, they asked Jesus to come. And Jesus says, okay, cool, I'm coming. I'm just going to stay where I'm at for a couple more days. Because Jesus is just going to like, I want you guys to know that, like, how much power I have over death. That I'm going to let him lay in the tomb so that you don't think that it was just a resuscitation. He wasn't just taking a long nap. He just wasn't really sick. I'm going to go to the place where it would be ridiculous that he would wake up from this. And then I'm going to go and see Lazarus. Remember that? So think very carefully. When Lazarus... When Jesus went to go uh, uh, to wake uh, Lazarus up from his death, he told them to roll away the tomb, roll away the stone from the tomb, 
and he called Lazarus out. What was Lazarus wearing? Lazarus was wearing, my son chases his hand. Uh, 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 Lazarus was still wearing the, the linen. They had to unwrap him, right? So the, the difference here is that Jesus didn't have to, be, had to be unwrapped. Lazarus emerged from the tomb, still wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face, and he had to be released by others. In the case of Jesus, the linen strips and burial cloth was simply left behind. It's interesting, right? When he rose from the dead. Well, why did Jesus leave the linen behind? I think the answer is in first, is verse 8. It says that Peter, he saw and he believed. While they didn't understand the fullness of why Jesus had to rise from the dead quite yet, they recognized it was his work and they believed in him. John emphasizes the, em- the empty tomb because the resurrection of Jesus was certainly not just spiritual survival after death. This wasn't just that Jesus could just, he just beat death. But it was also the resurrection of a physical body. We respond by, by recognizing the evidence of Jesus' presence and work. In our, in our daily rhythms, one of the best things that you can do and recognize that God's in your life is that you are looking for the evidence that God is making a difference in your life. It's one of the most key things. I think this is when people get discouraged is that when we get so busy, when we get so bogged down that all life has around us, it's hard for us to be like, I don't even know if this thing is real. Well, my question for you, are you looking for the linens and the face cloths in your own life? I mean, like, like here we have Peter and John and even Mary Magdalene. They are going to the last place where they knew Jesus was. And they, they find not him, but the evidence of him doing something amazing. And here's the thing. If you're looking for a starting point, I think you go back to the last point where you had. This was my story during COVID. When I was probably more depressed than I ever been, lives were turned upside down. Two very important men in, our, uh, in, in my life, in my family's life, had passed. And I was just looking for something good. Just like looking for a, a, the, the last great reference point that I know that God had done something great. And I'm searching for some good. I'm searching for some hope. I'm searching for some, 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 a picture of him. So I went to the last place where I could find him, where I knew where he was at. And for me, it was, it was back in my journals. It was, it was going back through like, you know, I, I'm an avid journal writer. And I was looking back like, man, when was the last time when, when, when I knew that God had showed up? I knew there was evidence of his work. And I could find that. Like, I, could, I could find it in, in, the, in some of the things that I did in youth ministry. I could find it. And so, the, like, you know, our, our ordination and our, our, our send off to come up here, I could see God working in these moments. And sometimes we need those things. I, I don't know about you, but I, I think like, Knowing what, what this would have meant, that for, for John and for Peter and even Mary Magdalene, the rabbi, the, the, their, their teacher, the, the person they had followed, they had fixed their lives to, was no longer present in flesh. So what do you do? You go back to the place where, where you last saw him, and, and you look for his evidence there. Verse 11, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stopped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, on, uh, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. 
Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be a gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to, to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Listen, like, like Peter, Mary Magdalene did not understand the significance of the empty tomb. She, she thought somebody had robbed Jesus. But like, obviously, like in our culture, this is a bad thing. This was like, this was like a cursed thing. You don't just rob people of the grave. And even Mary Magdalene, she was like, you know, if someone's taking them, listen, I, I just want to perform, uh, um, you know, like the, give him like the burial spices and, and oils and things. I just want to make sure his body's taken care of. Just give them back to me. She was still grief stricken standing at the tomb. But once she heard him utter her name, she recognized him immediately. Isn't that crazy? Like, like I, I don't know who, who in your life has that influence on you. I, um, I, like, there are some places, I don't care how loud it is, it could be in the middle of a Beyonce concert. If my mother calls my name, I'm probably going to stop dancing and like, figure out why I'm in trouble. It's, it's the truth. Like, like, there's just some people that just like that, like, when, when, they, when, you, when they say your name, it grabs your attention. There's often times where Anna will wake up in the middle of the night because she feels like one of the kids are crying out to her. There's just people that just have that, that effect on you, that when, you when, when your name is uttered, you respond to it. Think back to what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. He says, He's talking about a shepherd and the sheep. He says, to him, and the, uh, to him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads, and leads them out. When he has brought out all his before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The shepherd has called his sheep by name. So in this situation, the, the shepherd being Jesus has called his sheep by name. She recognizes his voice, and he responds, uh, and responds to his direction. And, and after a person gets to the point of belief in Jesus, with that, ha- with that has got to come the recognition of the relationship. See, uh, um, once Jesus had, had, had said Mary's name, once he had spoken and, he, and she recognized that, uh, that this was Jesus calling her name, immediately followed this, was like, oh, I know him. I have a relationship with him. I have a love and I have a devotion to him. And that changed everything. Think about it. Mary went from grief stricken to excited to, 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 you know, just exclaiming that this was Jesus and in, in flesh. And what does Jesus do after calling her name? He gives her instruction. He's like, hey, listen, I know you're excited to see me, but you can't be hugging on me. You can't cling to me. Go tell the disciples that I'm risen. Go to tell the disciples that I'm risen. Not just the, the calling me by my name, but go and tell the disciples that you've seen me. The way that we respond to, to the resurrection of Jesus is by listening for our name. Here's the deal, with, guys. I, I don't think the matter is that Jesus hasn't called us yet. It's a matter of what we're listening. I said this a couple weeks ago. 
When it comes to, to, to Jesus being the shepherd and, and us being his sheep, it's not a matter that he's not calling us. It's a matter, is our lives so loud? Is there so many things going on that we can't even recognize him? I think for each and every one of us, from as young as, as, the, as the babies in this room to, to, you know, to, to the oldest folk in, in, in this room, the most noble folk in this room, I think that Jesus calls us all. Are we listening for it? A lot of times I tell this to my kids. Like, I'm like, hey, listen, you guys can go play in this playground. You guys can go play in this spot. We were, we were in, um, my family, we were in New York City two days ago. We were in New York City two days ago. Okay, um, and um, in Macy's, there's a playground. Why you need a playground in Macy's, I don't know, but there is one. And I told my boys, I'm like, listen, as soon as mom and Camilla get over here, we're leaving. So I'm going to call for you, be listening for it. See, a lot of times it's not a matter of, of Jesus not calling us or God not reaching out to us. Are we listening for it? Jesus had to say Mary's name and her grief, at least for the moment, was halted, at least to the point where she's able to go and do the next thing. We should respond by listening for our name. There are people in your life when they call your name, you respond, is Jesus one of them? Um, verse 15, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for the fears of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples said when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even as so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. See, the disciples, they were still afraid of the Jews, right? As they should be. If, if they just arrested and, and crucified the person they were following, surely they were next. So they were sitting in a locked room waiting for the next thing to happen. Mind you, they had no reason to believe the resurrection. Like, like we, we've read from the, some of the other passages that they didn't understand this yet. They hadn't connected everything that Jesus had said. I'm going to tear down this temple and in three days I'm going to raise it. They, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't put it all together until much later. That's why like John is writing at the, like, towards the end of his life all the events that had happened. They got it then, but as it was happening, they were still kind of confused. So they're sitting in this room where secluding themselves behind locked doors, and Jesus sudden appearance to the disciples behind locked doors. Like his emergence from the tomb, this demonstrated that in his resurrected state, he was no longer bound by human conditions. Here's my question for you. What are the locked doors in your life? I mean, there are some things like believer, non-believer, follower of Jesus, not a follower of Jesus, there are things in your life where you just lock down to. It's just scary. It's just things that you're like, I'm, I'm going to board up. I'm going to put a wall up. I'm going to put a door up. And it's just going to stay locked. It could be like a broken relationship, family, friends. It could just be like even like, you know, something that you know, you know, that you know that the Lord has is, is called you to do. It can even be just like, like the adjustment period of this new season that you're in. Maybe you've moved here. Maybe that there's just something like happening and like you just need to deal with it. But instead of dealing with it, lock door. I mean, for these guys, it was their lives. It was that they crucified the guy who we know to be the Messiah 
what does that mean for us? Well, since we don't know, we're going to sit behind this locked door. And that's a hard place to be. Because when we do that behind the locked door, we're closed off to everything else. We don't know what's happening behind the door. And one of the things that I love about Jesus, he doesn't send a vision. He doesn't send an angel. He doesn't say, hey, y'all get out from behind that door. Everything's going to be cool. No, what Jesus does is he goes to them. Like, I want you to to peep the significance that he doesn't say, hey, get over what you're dealing with. Get over, what, like the, get over being scared. Be, get over your fear. Come out of the room. If I could be persecuted, so could you. It's a hard place to be. Jesus goes to them and he says, peace be with you. He, he, he speaks outside of their fear. I'm sorry, he speaks into their fear. He speaks into their condition and says, hey, peace be with you. I've been telling you about this from the very beginning. Touch the holes in my hands. Look at the holes in my feet. This, this really happened. And, and like similar to how, you know, in other situations where, where, uh, where you know, Jesus kind of answers the, the, the question that people should be asking rather than the question that we're actually asking. He, they're scared of what the Jews could do to them. And Jesus says, instead of being scared in that, believe in what I've done. See, a lot of times, like, like, we worry about the wrong things, even if those wrong things are important things or are big things to worry about. Oh, yeah, you should worry about the relationships changing when, when, when you tell somebody that you're really involved in a church. It, it, it's something that should happen. I don't know about you, but this week I was inviting folks to the church, and I'm, like, sitting there with my phone out, like, man, they're going to, this is going to change everything if I invite them to church. Like, they're going to think I'm just that pestering pastor that, the only reason why I'm their friend is to invite them to church. Hey, like, there is something there. But has Jesus not gone past that door of fear? Is, is there not something that we can, that, like, if Jesus would come close to us in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our nervousness, in the midst of our discomfort, you know, what, could he do with, what could he do with my obedience? See, we should respond by being open and being sent. See, Jesus didn't just show up to the disciples just to calm their fears. What what does he tell them? He says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. See, the time for comfort and the time for Jesus, like, you know, just rubbing the disciples back, telling them it's going to be okay, that time's over. Remember, that was what the Last Supper was for. Jesus washes their feet. He serves them the bread and the cup. They have a meal together. And Jesus kind of like, you know, tries to explain. He's like, listen, I'm going to tell you some things. It's going to be hard for you to understand. You're going to have to review these things later. Don't worry. John's going to write a lot of these things down. You're going to have to come back and look at this later. But let me prepare you for what's going to happen. From the moment that Jesus rises from the dead, he's prepping them on their mission. I mean, their great commission. Jesus is focused. He's saying like, hey, listen, I'm here. I'm risen. Just like I told Mary at the tomb, you can't cling to me. I'm sending you. Like, like, like you, we have to be open. I'm coming past this locked door. I know you're scared, but you're going to have to be scared on mission. You're going to have to be. I think one of the most, like, one of the hardest things for people who, who have a trust, who have a belief, like, who I would say, like, yeah, like, like I, I believe in Jesus because nothing else makes sense. There's a lot of us in here that culturally, it just makes sense. 
Like we're just like, this is, this is what my grandmother did. This is what my parents did. I'm just going to lean into this. It just makes sense. But what takes us from it just being something that like we could just buy into and we can, you know, we can come and be a part of it every now and then to being something that you fix your lives to is saying that I can do it even if I'm scared. I can do it even if there's fear attached to it. You know, like, like uh, I, there's people in this room that I, I'm so impressed with. Like, it's easy for me. Like, what else am I going to do? I'm a pastor. I, I, like, if I, if I have fear, how can I expect anybody else in our church to, to, to move with confidence? But there's folks in here who work in the business world that it would probably be more profitable if they didn't walk, uh, walk in a way that they love Jesus and they were being sent by Jesus. They could probably reason in their mind, I'd, I'd probably be make, make more. Oh, I definitely have a better network. And I probably would be a little more satisfied to my likings. Yeah, but, but, but Jesus sent you. The one that you would claim for your salvation, the one who is your Lord and your Savior, he sent you. Is the door still locked? Or, or, are you, you know, he's sending you. You can't stay here. It's okay to be scared, but you still got to move. We should respond by being open and being sent. Verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. They were inside again. Catch that. And Thomas was with them. They're back in the same place, except Thomas, who knows where Thomas was before. Thomas is with them. Although the door was locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I, I'm just, I want to talk through this whole verse, but I, I want you to not miss the fact that this last verse in here, have you, believe, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That last verse is for you. I want you to know that, like, 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 I, like I, I believe firmly that there are at least two spots in John, and next week we're going to talk about the other one. There's two spots in this book specifically where Jesus is looking into the future for, at you and I. You've seen me. You put your hands on my sides. You, like, like, you, you got to believe in this, Thomas. But blessed are those who are just going to be told about this story in a the movie theater in 2023. Blessed are those who are going to be this oral tradition of what I've done for the sake of humanity. Blessed are those who are going to have to believe that, that way. They didn't get to stand here. Jesus, is, he's looking into the future and speaking that. Back to the beginning of this little section of verses. This isn't the first time we hear from Thomas, right? I love Thomas is, 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 a, is an interesting disciple. You know why? Because Thomas is blunt. Thomas tells you what he is thinking all the time. In, in uh, chapter 11, verse 16, first time we hear from Thomas, it says, So Thomas called the twin, says to his disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. This is the story of Lazarus. 
This is when, uh, when Jesus is, is kind of hanging back and, uh, you know, and then they, they look around and Thomas is like, well, you're, you're, headed, to, to, you're headed towards Jerusalem. Aren't they trying to kill you in uh, Jerusalem? All right, y'all. Well, if he's going to Jerusalem, let's go die with him. So you see this commitment in Thomas, right? You see this, this, this Thomas is saying like, you know, this is where Jesus is going. This is what we're doing. But he's going to know how I feel about it. We're, about, we're, we're probably going to go die soon. And then we see it in verse four, uh, chapter 14, uh, verse 5. Uh, this is after Jesus is talking about him being the way, the truth, and the life. Thomas said to him, uh, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And that's when Jesus says, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thomas, Thomas told Jesus when he was confused. Thomas, uh, uh, like, he was like, hey, listen, I, I have some doubts here. I, I, don't, I don't fully wrap my head around this. See, here's the thing. We, we should be committed and we should be honest about our doubts, but we cannot allow our faith to be disbelief. You know, and, and um, towards the end of the year, we're going to be in the book of Mark. And when Mark is uh, it's, it's one of my favorite passages in all of the Gospels because the, Jesus has this interaction with this guy and he's like, hey, listen, do you believe in me? And the guy says, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I don't think there is one I don't think there's a single like statement or even here with Thomas that probably defines us more than that. The problem isn't that I don't believe Jesus. I'm in church, ain't I? The problem isn't that I believe. Like, you see my playlist. I got Maverick City, Fred Hammond. I got them all. They're, they're, they're right there. It's not about not believing in you. It's not about all these other things, but it's hard. It, like, it, it, it's hard for this to be the whole thing. This could be a great part of my life. This could be a great part of my identity. This could be a great part of how I parent my kids. This could be a great part of how I approach my job. This could be a great part of how I try my best to refrain from the things you don't want me to do and to pursue the It could be a great part of it. It just can't be the whole thing. And what Jesus is pointing to when he's saying he's like, don't disbelieve, but believe. He's saying like, hey, Faith is a process. No one's asking you to go from like the worst of the worst, far from God, enemy of God, to radical for you in the same day. It's not what he's asking. It's like, hey, hey, can you take a step for me? The problem with most churches and the problem why people hate Christians and hate, hate, hate churches is because we put all of the, the life change before the one who changed our lives in the first place. We, put, we, we, we want everything, like we forget that there was still some time, just because there's not the chap, we don't see it in the chapters of Acts, we don't understand that Paul, like, that Paul went from being like a Christian serial killer, sorry kids, um, um, to being like, you know, the Apostle Paul. We don't get to hear about Paul's discipleship process amongst the apostles. But for you and I, it, it, like, what, what Jesus is saying is like, I get it. Y'all have never seen somebody die on a cross and rise up and start walking around and come to see you walking through walls and things. This is hard. But just, like, move from your, your point of disbelief into your belief. You just have to. Like, like, this is the only way where this works. This is the only way where this makes sense. Can I be honest with you? Following Jesus is a horrible hobby. It's a horrible way to spend your time. Ask anybody who's been involved with us since we've launched. It's a lot of work. You got a pastor ask you to be here at 745, moving carts and things. You got, you know, we've we got all these things going on. Ask Jen and Katie. Like, like it, they moved their whole lives up here. It's a horrible hobby. It's, it's, it's terrible. 
But if I'm going to trust and I'm going to follow this Jesus, the only way it would make sense is that if it's led by my belief, if it's led by my commitment, and it's led by my following him, it's the only way it makes sense. I mean, like, if I was to ask you, if I was to sit down and have coffee with you at Cunningham's, cheap plug, like, 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 you could tell me about how you've had a limited approach to a connection with the Savior. And it's probably been frustrating, right? Then I don't know what it is. Every time something goes wrong, I, 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 I pray to him, and I feel like nobody's talking back. You know what, like, you know, I, I went through this really hard, uh, this really hard time, so I, I went to church that Sunday, and I didn't get nothing out of it. Yeah, because the door's still locked. I, there, there's no openness. Like, God is calling to sending you. You got to move from disbelief to belief. See, I, I want you to just think for a second. Last week, we talked about Palm Sunday, right? And you had all these people that were in town for the Passover feast that saw him, that were there with him, that were, that were, that were so excited, that were waving their palm branches. We even had some in here. Nobody's in the room, right? There, there, there's, that, that, that was just a celebration. Most people went, went back to their lives. Matter of fact, most of those people went from the celebration to later in the week screaming crucify him, at least the ones that were in Jerusalem did. I think for a lot of us, the connection piece comes from we want to interact with him. We want to react to Jesus. We want to react to Easter. We want to react to the, to, to the resurrection. We don't want to respond by not disbelieving, but believing. The last part of this passage, and, and, and this is how we'll end it. It says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. I don't know a parent. I don't know a college student. I don't know an adult. I don't know a husband. I don't know a wife. I don't know, you know, someone who's overworked, someone's overtired, who if I was to say, I can give you more life than you have right now. I can give you more peace than you have right now. I can give something that could revive you. John's blunt. He says, I told you these things so you may have life in, in his name. Mind you, John probably wrote this probably not in the best circumstances. John probably wrote this when he was being persecuted himself. So it wasn't that everything was hunky-dory. He didn't write this from Disney World. He didn't write this from the NBA Finals. He didn't write this from the Masters. Now, he wrote this from bad situations. But he says he did these things that if you believe in them, you'll have life in his name. Jesus died and rose so that you may have life. You may have eternal life. And eternal life isn't something that happens after your funeral, after you leave this world, it starts now. It starts, your life begins with your trust in Jesus. And again, I'm not promising you better circumstances. I'm promising you better purpose. 
Guys, that's what East, I felt like it was, going, I was about to say like Charlie Brown. That's what Easter's all about, Charlie Brown. Like, th- th- that's where I was headed. Um, it's, it's, bigger than, it's bigger than a single statement. It's bigger than just like what I'm supposed to say on this day. No, like, like, like nothing, nothing else makes sense for, for, for why we do what we do, why I do this job, why, why anybody who, who, who avidly follows Jesus does. Because we have to have a trust in him, and it has to be something that moves us past the door, moves us past the locked door, and moves us from being in a spirit of disbelief to a spirit of believing. Amen? Can I pray for you? Father God, um, God I, I thank you for bringing us to this place. God, I thank you for how we, um, how we approach and how we um, even think about um, this day as a celebration. God, culturally, it makes sense that we gather together. It makes sense that we even gather together in a, in a church-like setting. God, I, um, I want to pray for my friends and, um, that are in this place today. God, I, um, I, I think that it just makes sense that there will be people here that are discouraged. They may be tired. They may be feeling unfulfilled. God, they may just be just distraught. God, there may be people here that are just... They barely made it here this morning. They, they came to be nice. And my request to you is that through a belief in you, through a trust in you, that you would offer peace, that you would offer eternal life, or that there would be satisfaction in you God, my, um, my prayer for my friends today is that our, the way that we respond to the resurrection is by believing in you. And God, I don't think you, 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 de- you desire for us to or you demand that we have it all figured out today. But God, that we take a step like Thomas, God, that we would show our commitments, that we would be honest with you with our doubts. but we would try to grow in our belief every day. We would see that it's worth it, that a life with you is better than one without. It made the difference for the disciples. It made the difference for Mary. It made a difference for the, for the world. That's why we celebrate today. May that be our story. May that be our legacy. You just listened to a message from Dane Carraway, the pastor of Church at the Well in Towson, Maryland. To learn more about our church and to support what we're doing in the greater Baltimore area, visit our website, thewellbaltimore.com. Thank you for tuning in to the sermon podcast from Church at the Well. May God bless you.